Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome back, Manny. Thank you, Renee. Thank you for having me back here. Yeah, thank you for being uh, here. Um, this uh, Tuesday night. It's a Tuesday. Yeah, usually we do Thursdays. Well, it's Tuesdays or Thursdays. It Tuesdays or Thursdays. Well, you know, this week we have uh, the Thursday, uh, the, the Muses Parade is, runs on Thursdays. I know sometimes you, you like to bring your daughter to that parade, or she likes to aggravate you to bring her to that parade. So I figured, well, let's get it out of the way, because there's no parade tonight. I don't have a daughter. What the fuck okay. are you talking about? This is all part of the... Uh, no, the, no, no. Well, now she's... Uh, actually, her birthday is this week. Oh. So um, we're letting her go with her... Fr- you know, no parental guidance. Okay, okay. Just get as fucked up as you want. Okay. You know, and, 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 and when it comes down to it, I will do your time when you get arrested. Oh, nice. That's, that's yeah. a very fatherly uh, you know, thing good to, to tell you. You know, present. look, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take the fall for yeah, you, baby. I'll take the fall for you just one time. Just one time. Okay, you, you got know? one, one freebie. If, I, <laughs> if, if you were smart, you would use it at your 16th or 17th birthday, get out of jail free card. Right. But for some reason, she wants to use it on her 15th. Well, so you, were, so you mentioned the 15th, and I asked you about this last week about the, the possibility of a quinceanera. No, it's not happening. It's not going to happen. Yeah, no, 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 no. She, she, it, it's all, it's, it's just like the idea of having it is she really appealing to her. Okay. But you, there's work to be done to having it. Uh-huh. You know, you got you to gotta go through the uh, steps. It's not just a party. No, it's not just a party. If you want to call it a quinceanera, well, then you got to do the steps. Uh, and that involves a mass? Well, it's a mass, which I'm totally against. Right. But, uh, but if, if she was going to do it, she, you would be for it. Cause, I like, would be least, for it, yeah. But she likes, she looks like the word quinceanera. It's like, no, 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 no. you got to do the work. Just call it a 15th birthday party then. Well, she is the most Hispanic-looking member of your family somehow. Yes, she is. <laughs> yes, she is. Well, you know, she looks a lot like me when I was that age. Yeah. She's very, she's got the beautiful olive skin. Right. And she's and she's straight black hair. Straight black. Well, she's black she's hair. doing the Jennifer Lopez little hair dye lately. Oh, okay. Um, but she's gorgeous, right? And like you, and yes, like me. <laughs> and she has gentlemen callers who are uh-huh. asking her out on dates. She's been on a few dates nice. and stuff. And young, nice young man. I've seen nice, some photographs. Yeah, nice yeah, nice yeah, young yeah. man. She has good taste. That's good. and dirty old men too. No, oh, okay. no, no, well, no, no, no. Spice it up. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know the sure. social. I I don't. I don't. You don't my keep wife, tabs on her. Well, I try to, mm-hmm. but I do it old school, where I just basically knock on her go door and go, "What the fuck's going on with you?" <laughs> where my wife does it, spying on her through social media. Yeah, my wife does it through the whole the gadgets and uh-huh, stuff like that. Uh-huh. And I, I don't even know how to fucking do that. No, I know. So basically, I just knock on her door in the middle of the night and go, "What's up?" <laughs> yeah, just just uh, face her. You she know, says, I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> I've got a test tomorrow. <laughs> I know, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, what's going on with you? You know. Uh, yeah. So yeah, anyway, no, that's good. That is. I think that's yeah, really yeah, cool. Absolutely, it's one on one. That's how how it's been done for uh, for millennia. Yeah, you know? that's what how my parents did it to yes. me. Yes. You know. And you can see in their eyes, you know, if they're 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 keep holding something back. Oh, you yeah, can see yeah, that there's yeah, they're yeah, troubled. Yeah, yeah. You can't necessarily. Well, I told tell. her. I said, "You can't lie to a junkie." I'm a, <laughs> I was a junkie for 22 years, and you, know, you can't lie to me. I could look right in your face and know you're fucking lying. You know, so you know, don't even bother. 
Just tell me the truth and I'll forgive you. <laughs> right, right, right. We can get over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah get yeah. over it. As long as you're not hurting anyone and you're sure. hurting yourself. And, right. and she's still got, her grades are great. Yeah, yeah well, no, she's got good, good for grades. her. No, she's got a good head on her shoulders. She's got so, a good yeah. head on her shoulder, yeah, shoulders, gonna, and uh, so uh, yeah, she'll be fine. You know, right on, right on. Anyway, what's been going on with you? Um, well, what's been going on? So, so the night after I saw you last week. Now, last week it was like seventy-five degrees and balmy on the night that yeah, we recorded, and we had uh, we had a, a beautiful guest, Will was, Sexton. Yeah, Will yeah, he's Sexton. a tall drink of water. He's yeah. very entertaining. Yeah, very was, entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's going to be a great episode coming up. Um, but uh, so the very next day, I, I had to to play to play with uh, Irma Thomas, the Dixie Cups, uh, Papa John Groves, huge, uh, you know, eight, oh, right, eight right, acts you. playing uh, in the at the Family Gras in Metairie. Yeah. Um, now the temperature dropped about thirty-five degrees overnight. Right. So by the time yeah. we, I had to play at seven thirty on Friday, it was about forty-seven degrees uh, outside. Okay. Well. <laughs> And you wear a long coat. Yeah, I had know, a long coat. Nobody now, will my, notice. My foolish move was, uh, on. I, I got up on stage about 15 minutes before I was supposed to play, and I was tuning my instrument, and I had the lining in my, my uh, leather trench coat, you know, uh -huh. and, and I thought, hmm. I think I'm going to be a little bit hot with this on. So I walked off stage and I took the lining out. Oh, uh, you were well, wrong. By the end of the set, by the middle of the set, I was shivering. Uh -huh. my, my hands were shaking. It was so cold. You know, the wind was blowing off the lake. Uh, Irma Thomas, who was consummate professional and sounded so great. Was screaming she, at you? She, no, 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 no. <laughs> she's, no, she, no uh, other artists were, were, you know, wanting to meet in the trailer and let's go over the material. You didn't see Irma at all until we were on stage and she right. walks out and well, she goes, she's a pro. She goes, yeah. okay, what are we doing? Yeah, exactly. And then somebody called the first tune and she goes, okay, kick it off. Well, yeah, it's like that <laughs> old Chuck was, Berry t story where, you know, he'd come into town and just get a, a hired guns and, right. and say, well, play for your money, guys. Play for that yeah, money. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. a lot of times those, those those bands that, that were back in uh, uh, Chuck Berry. Yeah, they were awful. Didn't really count. No, this was actually quite good. This is a top-notch band, and Irma was great. But she had, like, a coat on and, and the hood and the scarf on. You could just see a little bit right, of her face, you yeah. know. She was she, like she, was she was like that new Fox show, The Masked Singer. Yeah. <laughs> close she like to it, close to so it. we didn't know who she really well, was. You could see her eyes and her, and her smile, you know, and you could okay. hear that lovely voice. But now, I've never seen her very before. bundled up. Oh, she's terrific, yeah, terrific. I the queen of New Orleans soul. Um, so anyway, so that was that was a relief to get through all that music and have it come off really well. And then I got to hang out, and, and the Cowsills played after that. So lovely Susan Cowsill and, and and her brothers did a whole set, and, and they were fantastic. Uh, freezing cold again, they didn't didn't bat an eye at it. They, yeah. So that was that was lovely. Um, you know, family gras. It, it translates to fat family. If you really, yeah. It's, it's, I, I, well, it's, it's out there in the burbs. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so, it's an odd yeah, name, but you know, I guess that people don't really they they don't really dig into what the the meaning of. Well, these. they dig into something. <laughs> it's usually like a pig's trough. These families, <laughs> well, you know, because they're fat fucks. That's well, what they there say. are some. There is a variety yeah. of, of body yeah. types out there, but yeah. Uh, but but yeah, there's a lot of fast food there on in in Metairie, So. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's where they, you know, it's a, it, but the thing is, didn't they used to have it like after Mardi Gras? Or no, no, it was, it's I always think it was always been? that weekend before the big oh, weekend really? of Mardi I mean, Gras. I don't yeah, know, yeah, I don't know, yeah. I really don't know. Because once, once uh, Mardi Gras happens, once Ash Wednesday happens, it's done, you know, that's, that we do take a break for a while and it becomes uh, Lent, you know, and we, and. What do you mean we? I don't do it. Well, the, you don't do the, it, you the, don't the city, do Lent. The, the, the city. You Just don't our, do it. No, 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 the, the community. The, the, they the, say they do, but they're fucking. 
fucking well, some do, you some know, do. pigging yes, out on Popeye's new chicken sandwich, yeah, oh, which yeah. is now available. You know, I had did I tell it talk about this on the podcast? No, that I had I one of those. Oh yeah, it was so greasy. I didn't like it at all. I thought the the mm. Wendy's chicken sandwich is far better. Um, yeah, I, I had a stomachache after the, the the Wendy's. It tasted good going down, but it didn't it, it didn't. It well, that's didn't what sit he well. said. <laughs> <laughs> yes, again. So uh, where are we now? Uh, you know, we're in the ring room. Uh, yes, back in the are. ring room. Yeah, I, 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 I had this this story that a, a friend of mine, who's an avid listener of the podcast, told me, and I, it was so hilarious. I, I got permission to uh, to repeat it, and it was on the subject of. Doctors who prescribe things to people, and sometimes it's opioids, sometimes yeah. it's other like benzos. Yeah. They get them in a bad way. You know, they, yeah. they overprescribe them, they yeah. get them with a habit. And I was saying, yeah. oh, that's really terrible the way doctors do that. And my friend goes, man, look, one time this doctor gave me this stuff, uh, ProVigil. Uh-huh. So ProVigil is like a, a drug that they created for narcolepsy. Okay. Uh, and they actually advertise it a lot on television. You know, I say okay. if you, you know, you fall asleep during the day, take this stuff pro vigil. And I thought it's, uh, it was uh, kind of marketed off label as like a smart drug. Like you would, it's uh, uh, nootropic, it's good for learning, it's good for students. So my friends is saying, no, because actually they gave him something called new vigil, which is like about 10 times stronger than pro vigil. Okay. So, he said this doctor prescribed it for him and, and told him to take it at the highest dose that they give to narcoleptics. <laughs> so he was taking it three times a day. Okay. He said he wound up staying up for four days straight. And yeah. he said it's like, like crack times whatever, you know, super oh. crack. He said, he said it makes you awake, like really awake. So he said after four days of being uh, with, without sleep, he was working at his kind of sensitive job. He has a, a, a job that has a high clearance for. He said he started. He became convinced that the computers were out to get him. Oh. <laughs> and he said, and then I don't remember, but sometime <laughs> later on, they showed me a videotape of myself taking a kitchen knife from the the kitchen of the 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 business and trying to cut through all the power cords and the data cords of the computers. He said, I don't remember any of that. I, he said, uh, you know, I, I, I did that and then I went home and didn't remember any of it and uh, came back to work the next day where they arrested me for espionage. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they, uh, then they, they changed the charge or, or or um, elaborated to ha- to be uh, uh, sabotage, okay. and then and then robbery, and then uh, he said I didn't have any recollection of any of this when they showed me the 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 videotapes of me doing this. He said I would stand in one spot for 15 minutes, and then suddenly I just start moving around real fast and attacking. Well, he sounds me. like a lightweight, this guy. Well, well, this, this <laughs> yes. stuff sounds like some some bad mojo, man. Well, it so, was called Pro Vigil. Well, Pro Vigil is is the uh, the the, the one they advertise is... on television, but the new Vigil is like okay. the even I think he needs up the version. old Vigil. Old Vigil, yeah, it would yeah, probably yeah. be good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. something in between, yeah, kind of the Goldilocks yeah, dose. Yeah, I mean, is, did, is this doctor Doctor Cleggett? Well, you know? I didn't get the doctor's name. But. Well, Dr. Cleggett is that uh, pharmacist out in Chalmette who they just made a, uh, Netflix just made a documentary. Oh, oh, oh yeah. the pharmacist. That's yeah. about him? I didn't realize. I saw that well, advertised. It's, it's the doctor who's given the scripts is Cleggett. The pharmacist who busted Cleggett is a different guy, but that's a local story. Yeah, it's a local okay, story. Okay, well, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, check it out. But no, this guy's not local. He's, uh, he's, 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 uh, he's on one of the coasts. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, crazy story, man. It's it's the way. <coughs> Uh, yeah, it's, well, it's you nuts. know, how old is this person? He's our age. But it turns out, like, when the cops came and handled him, he, he said, you know, they didn't do anything bad to me because he said the cops told him, you know, most of the people we deal with are total nut jobs. You seem right. like a normal yeah, person yeah. who it's, just went crazy for a minute. You know? Well, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I totally We've all been there. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I totally get it. And, and uh, so uh, one thing I want to talk about uh-huh. that happened, you know, because I want to catch up. I have, I have a lot of notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, before all this uh, fucking Mardi Gras stuff started, mm-hmm. um, the, the fairgrounds, which I live next door to the fairgrounds, very close to the right. fairgrounds, um, along with their horse racing, they had one of those uh, food eating contests. Okay. Food like a hot dog. Yeah, uh, well, you know how they have the hot dog or they have the. Uh, yeah, what's his name? Uh, Joey, Joey, Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut. Well, Joey yeah. Chestnut was in town. Okay. At the first annual red beans and rice eating contest, okay, which was held, which was sponsored by Blue Runner, mm-hmm. which is a fine brand. It's a good brand, yeah, sure. it's a good brand. And they were having their first annual red beans and rice eating contest. Okay, I like it. So they had uh, this thing, and it was like, how many bowls can you eat in ten minutes? Okay, <laughs> ten minutes. Yeah, and there was like nine other contestants. Against Joey Chestnut. Uh-huh. And the prize money was nothing. It was like two grand. You know? okay. It was the first annual one. So maybe it'll, the prize money will get bigger. And, mm-hmm. and Joey Chestnut kicked ass. Okay. He ate 39 and a half bowls Jesus Christ. of red beans and rice <laughs> in 10 minutes. It's a lot of beans, Papa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of rice. It's a lot of beans. It's, uh, it's a lot of toilet paper, too. Okay. Yeah, I see. Sure. Um, but so I was very curious because I had taken a nap because I was thinking of going to see it. Okay. And I take a, took a nap. It was at three o'clock in the afternoon. I went to sleep around one thirty, and I missed it. Mm. I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" So I, I, I checked out what the results were and stuff like that. Blah blah blah. And then I found out that there's actually like, I mean, this is like big time sports. Uh huh. This eating, con- it's it. it consider- Turns out it was on ESPN. It was it was on some channel, uh-huh. but this is like this is like sanctioned. Okay. They're sanctioned. <laughs> sanctioned bout. Sanctioned eating competition. Okay. All right. So I went to this website where Joey Chestnut is number one ranked. Okay. And they call the rankings instead of your resume or they call it your bib sheet. Okay. (laughs) You know, your bib sheet. Right. So Joey's won the hot dog. He's won the red beans and rice. He won a taco. And then I realized, I was looking at the rankings, there was like four people from greater New Orleans area who were ranked in the top 50. Oh, okay. You know, this one guy, uh, I think actually from Chalmette, Mm -hmm. uh, Place second in the oyster eating contest out in some Biloxi casino. Right, that makes sense. So he's ranked 16th in, okay. in, in, in the world uh-huh. in this eating competition. Right. But then all of a sudden, I checked that there's women. There's like five or ten women that are part of this top 50. Uh-huh. And as, as I'm looking at this rankings, one of the it pops up. This message pops up that like the number 27th women in eating con died. 
Oh wow! She just died while I was looking at the website. Wow! She died not in an eating competition. Uh-huh. She, uh, uh, I think she choked on a bone. I, I don't know. I don't know what the <laughs> hell. So it was food related. Yeah, it was food related, but uh-huh. she was just at, she was like a Denny's or a Shoney's or something. Okay. Like that. Not yeah. even in a big hurry. No, not, not in a big uh, hurry. You think you know she was so good at, at well the at thing speed is speed eating at the just, well that's the know. thing if you're a speed eating comp competitor. Uh huh. So when you at home just by yourself or with your family, can you slow down? Can you exactly? Can you slow down and Maybe say not. pass the potatoes? Maybe not. Can you pass the gravy? It becomes habitual. You know, pass the fucking potato. How long I gotta wait for the potatoes? <laughs> pass the potatoes, damn it! <laughs> I'm hungry over here. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was. In, she could couldn't slow down, even though you know the pressure was off. She was always in training. But out of the like the six or ten women that were in the top fifty, uh. Five out of six of them were Asian women, huh, who okay. would you never think would be like? Because they, they seem small. They seem know. small. Yeah, demure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know. But uh, you know, what's the other guy? Kobayashi. He's uh, Kobayashi. He's yeah. uh, he's a small guy. Yeah. He, I know, well, yeah. Joey Chestnut is not a big guy. He's he's got a he's he's kind of a thin person, you know. Yeah, I it's don't know. It's kind of a little bit of a paradox, you know. You'd think it would be some big tub of, tub of goo that... that uh, <laughs> well, I'm sure there's always a tub of goo at the end of the day. There's something going on, you know. I mean, you can't just fly in and fly out without, you know... Okay. And without having a tub it's, of goo. It's going to be, so be held to pay somewhere you know, along the line. I'm sure there was, you know... Yeah, I hear you, know, you. I hear you. I just, you know, he's at the fairgrounds where the horses are running. There had to be, you know, where they keep the glue. And right. Stuff. <laughs> tub know. of glue. Right on, right on. <laughs> You know, anyway... Listen, uh, anything else going on? Because no, I'm excited about our guest. Yeah, yeah. I think we should get to our guest because we've got a lot to cover with him. So, yeah. okay, this, this fellow, he's, a, he's a, a, a DJ. He's a sound recordist. Uh, he's worked on a lot of films. He's, he's a, a teacher, a journalist. He's, he has a degree in cultural anthropology. Uh, uh, without further ado, Mr. George Engmeyer. Welcome, George. Thank you. Thank you. This, this <laughs> has been very interesting so far. I could have just sat and watched it. No, so. I know, but, but you know, well, we're, you we're, we're no. quite entertaining. You go back but, home yeah, yeah, and yeah. listen to all the episodes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there, we Noted. Plenty. Yeah, was, uh, George was asking how many we had up. I was telling him that we're putting up our 94th episode uh, 94th. In, in, wow. in a couple of days. And, and actually, on the way here, Manny and I were discussing our the plans for our 100th episode. Okay. Where, so it's coming up just in a few weeks, and sure. uh, we're going to have a big uh, big production for it. We maybe do a live podcast and have all of our previous guests come and have a party with us and mm-hmm. circle in and out. And Joey and, Chestnut's going to bring the food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> and circle in and out and, and catch up with all of them. So there's a lot on the, on the horizon on the Trouble Men podcast. Yeah. But you're someone who has done way more episodes of, of, uh, of interview shows and, and music uh, personality-driven shows. You, you, were, uh, you are a DJ, you have been a DJ for mm. WWOZ Radio, which is you know, a New Orleans institution. But not only that, it's, it's beamed all over the world world and and uh you know it's it's a widely recognized you know new orleans centric uh roots blues uh r&b uh radio station and you're one of the central uh producers and and content generators of that talk about your your time there well it it began back in 2003 as a volunteer and i was I wasn't expecting to get on the air like having a regular show, but John Sinclair left, and yes. John Sinclair needs a little, you know, 
explanation. He was like... Supposed to be our guest in two weeks, but uh, oh. it turns out, uh, John, we have to postpone it. you got to talk to his agent or something. Yeah, no, no, he's, he'll be on. But anyway, Good. great John Sinclair, yeah. free John Sinclair. Free John Sinclair by John Lennon. Yes. Like, John Lennon didn't write a song about me, but he did write a song about John Sinclair, yes. and he... He also, John Sinclair, formed the White Panthers. You know, a lot of stories behind that guy. MC5 manager. Exactly. Manager for the Stooges. Yes, yeah, yeah. Deep Blue Scholar. He actually had yes. a band called John Sinclair and the Blue Scholar. So when he left, there were a lot of people, understandably, uh, clamoring for his show. Mm-hmm. And it was offered to me, even though I didn't, I, it didn't occur to me to ask for it, because it would have been crazy to do that. Okay. But it, I think the reason they even thought of me is because I I didn't have an agenda mm-hmm. and I was clearly somebody who would grow into the show and it okay. it took about three or four years before I really kind of hit my stride but I was constantly you know digging up new stuff even to this day mm-hmm. so what was his uh, hour I mean was he like prime time like 8 Ele- to 10 well it was 11am to 2pm uh, okay. every Wednesday so every it was like Wednesday. the middle of the day the middle of the week yeah um, a good time a good slot spot. yeah it's a great very show. very good time slot so I just kind of and I made a point not to try to you know, following his tracks because, for one thing, we're two different people. But also, I just didn't want to, you know, be one of the people that just made a cult of John Sinclair. I don't even think he wanted sure a no. cult followers, right, but right. there were cult followers, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, 2003 is when I when I took over the show, and as we're speaking, just a week later, which will be you know a week and a day later, will be Ash Wednesday. Will be my last show. So this this episode will actually come out a day after Ash Wednesday. So yesterday, uh-huh. I guess we'll say, you right. know, like Ash Wednesday 2020 um, will be my last regular spot on New Orleans, the New Orleans Music Show. And I don't know what's next. Okay. So now, we'll why, see. Is, is that by your, why my, is that? Yeah, I made that decision. Yeah. I, I just said for 17 years, I've cut the middle of my week in half as a volunteer. Right. Mm. And uh, it's been an honor. I'm going to really miss it. This was a bittersweet decision, but I need to uh, make space for something. Okay. I have some ideas, and we'll see what the you know certain things could unfold. I might be around OZ more than I've ever been around. Okay, let's just say that. Right. But uh, it might be someone else. Okay. So, and uh, I'm happy either way. Right. Well, now, during this whole time, uh, you also have produced uh, syndicated programs. Yeah. And do you continue to do that? No. No. Okay. I mean, back back then, I, I mean, it was, there was, see, as, as a volunteer, as a volunteer, I wasn't, you know, obviously getting paid. Mm-hmm. But for the national show, I, for eight years, there was a little bit of money involved. And I was producing a show about music, food, and culture in, of New Orleans. And then in 2006... Which was... The, well, there were two names for the show, New Orleans All the Way Live, and then became New Orleans Calling. Right, okay. And uh, the difference being, one was all live recordings by OZ, and the other one, I could use CDs. So I had a, oh, okay. I could play music of people who had been dead for a while, and I, so I, I, that was a, it was, you know, my hands were tied yeah, yeah. before. Um, so we had two years of that program, and uh the funding dried up on that, and then I ended up teaching at NOCA and having to give up my show that, temporarily. Uh, Derek Freeman, really great drummer, mm-hmm. took it over. And then when he left for similar reasons, I think just because it takes a lot of time, they had, they had me come back on the show. But 
in the interim, I actually was doing a show called Nine Volt Heart. Right, right, exactly, and uh, which which was sort of uh, maybe the inspiration not, was a, a not a, sort of completely connected to a song by the Iguanas. You've heard of the Iguanas? I have, yeah, yeah. So, so, and it's a song written by uh, my partner uh, Rod Hodges and w- with Dave Alvin, the great about, Dave Alvin uh, about radio. Right, right. It's a, re- a very Plastic beautiful song. Nine Volt Heart, and you you named your show that, and you would use yep. a bit of that that recording. I, I opened every show with that for that was, those that, that, that yearish amount of time because it's such a great great song about the place of radio in people's lives over the course of you know like from a kid up to a, an adult like where you're trying to pacify your kid with the radio right. it's a very beautiful powerful song so i used another radio song at whiv for my short time there by elvis costello okay it's radio radio sure, I think is sure. what it's called yeah, so yeah, yeah. a different sentiment there but at the same time right the enthusiasm radio. for the for the form. Yeah, I mean, radio is magical. Like right it now, is. even though the the podcasts are built around the idea of like anytime you tune in, you got it. Right. It's still the idea that the visuals aren't there. You you listen. Theater you, of the mind. Exactly. You become involved with what's happening here, and the personalities that are doing it are are a big part of the reason people tune in. You could be talking about Saran Wrap, but if they like the two of you guys. They're going to listen to you guys talk about Saran Wrap. Right. right and but we're going to get to Saran Wrap. Well, well great. don't you think there's something missing, though? I mean, from podcasts as opposed to live radio. Absolutely. It relies- live radio, anything can happen. There's podcasts, it's, you know, you can edit it, you blah, 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 this. And all I assume that you guys don't spend a lot of time trying to make this thing. No, it is what it is, you yeah. know, and 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 we we can edit for for time, but but generally yeah. that doesn't happen, you know. It's and, and it's not certainly not scripted, you know. That's we yeah. have we have bullet points, but really, so much of what we're attracted to about the form is we don't know where it's going to go. Exactly, and and the difference, the the major difference being is I think as um, uh, uh, somebody said that radio relies upon the lazy laziness of humanity it's like all you got to do is turn it on and it's there mm-hmm. whereas a podcast you actually have to like find it and listen to it where radio is just like clink and it's, it's on right it's more selective and, and yeah. it's, it's more narrow cast now whereas radio is you know not public radio but but radio in general is is advertiser driven you know podcasts are consumer driven or sure. or producer driven you know sure. it's like the producer decides what they're going to do the consumer can can choose to consume it or not you know? absolutely you have a million choices absolutely yeah so 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 besides doing this you you've also worked in in the film business a lot and you you've you've been involved in, in a in a, in a uh, like the, this film that you made uh, on that you were involved in on the Mardi Gras Indians, bury the hatchet. That's like a feature mm-hmm. length uh, documentary oh, yeah. on Mardi Gras Indian culture. Yeah. So we, we recently had uh, John McCusker who did this Giacomo book. It's all yep. about uh, so, Great but, book. but yeah. it is a beautiful book. But you made this beautiful movie. You're involved in this. My my best friend was the director, okay. and I was the person that you know helped make. Very important connections, and also I did sound recording. Right. So um, Aaron Walker is the director. He's also the the, the co-owner of uh, N Seven, okay. the, the restaurant that's right off of um, of Saint Claude. Yuki is his wife. She, Yuki Izakaya. So he's like in the mm-hmm. food world, but also a filmmaker. We like we go back to the like the eighties as punk rockers in in Virginia Beach. But okay, he. He directed that, and it was about three. It's about three Mardi Gras Indian groups 
and their, their gangs, I guess you would call them, and mm-hmm. their approach to the the tradition. They're all very different. So, Fai uh, Yai, you got Victor Harris, you got Monk Boudreaux, the Golden Eagles, and then um, and then, well, I'm drawing a blank right now. This is where you get to edit it. Sure. But um, Victor Harris, Monk Boudreaux, and the renegade of the bunch. Is the one I'm drawing a blank on right now. Really striking, dude. We'll come back to that. Sure, yeah, yeah. We'll get back well, to that. What 51. about, are there Mardi Gras cowboys? <laughs> there <laughs> could be Mardi Gras up, co- cowboys. Yeah. Always comes yeah. up on the podcast yeah. with Manny. He, <laughs> I see these Indians, and they're walking around yeah. on the streets, and yeah. they're having I mean, their I, super Sundays and stuff I'm, like that. It did come out of yeah. a, kind of a, a, a show like that, you know, back in the day, arguably, but it, it's... Everything I can say about the history of the beginning of Mardi Gras Indians has been said before, and a lot of it's been refuted. So it, it, I'm more interested in like the the living tradition of it versus like where it the came history from. Of it. Right, right. The the the, the day, day of, practice of it. Yes, it's going on now. People are sewing suits now. It's 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 all happening. The idea of maroonage, you know, the idea of like where we're at, you know, in, the, in a place called the Ring, but it's near a place where people would slaves would escape. And they would go into the swampy area, yep. and you know, hook up, seek shelter with the Indians, and so that connection's pretty pretty deep. But sure. Anyway, to, to like, they would make costumes together. I, you know, that's the thing. I don't know if there was ever any sort of recognition of that. This is where it gets a little murky. Okay. And this is where I'm really hesitant to ever say, well, this is why they dress the way they do. The They're being homage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, myths, myths. You know, we could talk about all the myths that people kind of uh, ascribe to. Some of them are very powerful traditions that, you know, like, have, you know, cathedrals. So, you know. Right. So, okay, let's get back to your history. Before, So you, you came to New Orleans when? 92. Okay, and you were from? Uh, Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, and yeah. so I, I did see you were mentioning your punk rock youth. I saw a photograph of you with some, some very spiky dyed hair, and I thought, oh, okay, he yep. sounds like he came out of the same uh, milieu that Manny and I came out yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> You're, Quite likely, you're a punk rock fan, and 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 really, that just blew your mind open to to yep. liking all kinds of music. Ultimately, once once you got a little bit older, but talk about your first your, your album, punk rock youth, and God we trust, but the Dead Kennedys. Okay, and uh, my dad was very offended by the name because he's like the Kennedys were good people, and I was like years later, I was like, well, it's a little more complicated than that. But uh, I grew up in a place where. Because where we were located, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, bands would be coming down the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So I grew up watching like Minor Threat, Seven Seconds, Bad Brains. You know, I was seeing mm-hmm. like and we would have punk shows in the back of somebody's mother's salon where we would move all the equipment <laughs> and, and mosh in places where the pipe would bust, and we would still like not not being worried about getting electrocuted. We would just do what we had to do. And when I came here, it was funny because I was still, I still had like the punk residue, even though I'd not like really been a punk rocker anymore. I was like, no, oh, the punk scene here, you know, like the Dixie Tavern or whatever, it wasn't as vibrant. Mm-hmm. I think partly because of its um, geographical location. So, but I used to go up to the original 930 Club, like in DC, sure, sure, the smaller sure. one. Right. And, um, Richmond had a really great punk scene. You know, sometimes we would all get, drunk and high in Hollywood Cemetery in Richmond and then we would head to a club somewhere downtown or whatever so that was definitely a, a chance along with psychedelics to be like oh, f- you know, f- 
fuck what my parents are telling me. I'm yeah. going to try yeah. some other shit out. So psychedelics was the window you you were you're yeah. experimenting and yeah and yeah, yeah, also yeah. moshing. I think moshing is like a ceremonial dance. Ultimately, it's like there's this there's this collective kind of thing, and you get sometimes you get like a macho jerk in there who wants to fuck things up. But ultimately, when you're like about to like really spell out you get picked up by people who don't know you and you're moving around well and it's i always like, thought moshing being from la i always thought that moshing it had to, you know you had to uh relate to that band that band that was playing because i would mosh during some bands and i never got it and yeah i would mosh during like i'd mosh during fear the band fear uh-huh. oh yeah and it was like yeah let's have a war that that's <laughs> that yeah yeah this is it this is it but then I'd mosh to another local punk rock. I'm not going to say their names. And it's like it just wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same. You know? yep, yep, yep. Alfred Doucette, by the way. Alfred Doucette was the other gentleman's name. Oh, okay. Very, there you and, go. And okay. He's a renegade. <laughs> the Mardi Gras Indian that doesn't have an actual gang. And, oh. um, yeah, anyway. So yeah, we went into their houses and pulled their suits out. So we can cut this and put it in the other part. But, um no, yeah. we like we like this this natural thing of, of you sure know, you you can't remember and the, we build up the drama and then later sure, on like, you you pull it out. Who it's is like a, the third? Like a real conversation, like an actual <laughs> conversation, George. Yeah, yeah, we'll be right back. Well, you know, actually, I was we thinking, right I was thinking that uh, you know this would be a good time to, to uh, take a little break and get another yeah, cocktail. Yeah, sure. So, uh, exactly. all right, nation, go fix yourself another cocktail, and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. Back in the ring room, back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coman, back with Mr. George Engmeyer. Hello. Nice and, nice and, uh, back with calm the fins here. and scales. Back with the fins and scales. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yes. Uh, it's, and it's, the we're people keep, who won't eat them. Keeping it kosher here and, uh, with no trafe. We have a, a no trafe Tuesday here. There's, on, on, there's uh, no context for this, though, but the reason we're talking about this was, uh, I was in, in Virginia when you got the iguanas were playing uh, for Bayou Boogaloo, and I was introducing bands. But I went and bought crab cakes because somebody in the iguanas wanted crab cakes. I they love them. The rest of the band is I crazy like, for the crab. I had cakes. to buy a crab cake for everyone, including myself. Okay. And as you guys were walking off the stage, I was like handing out crab cakes, but you were like, "No, I'm not going. I, I can't eat that." And I was just like. I can eat a second crab cake. Yeah, well, I'm sure between the other three, four iguanas, no, three it's just iguanas, me. just you just ate it yourself. I okay. had it myself. I yeah, was no, like, like, you know, if you love crab cakes, they're, they're I mean, they have good crab cakes up there. That's why the, yeah, the band man, is always crazy. That's where for I grew me. up, yeah. man. The crab cakes are one of the things that I I would. So what did to he eat? Day. Wendy's. I don't know what he what. Uh, I, you know, I can always feed myself. If you can't feed yourself, what can you do? Yeah. Now you were mentioning your your uh, your your childhood in in that that uh, uh, Atlantic region. So did you do a lot of shagging? You know, the dancing the the, I, the, the dance the I shag. I don't know anything about the shag. Really? I do not. Because it's like beach I know, music. I, shagging is fucking. Well, in no, in England. In England. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but on the on the on the on the East Coast. I did that. Have a, have a but thing. he did some fucking. Okay. Okay. Well, no, they have a dance which I. Didn't I'd never heard of. I've went and visited my yeah. my, uh, my relatives in North Carolina, and they're like, "Oh, do you do you shag?" And I was like, "What yeah. the fuck are you talking no, this about?" This is it's like a dance. It's a generational kind of thing. a fifties dance yeah. that they do. But I was born in '68, and we weren't the shag may have come around in a, like a, another time. But I think it's still going on now. Yeah. Maybe at your locale, it, it was uh, you know yeah. there was, a, there was a, a oh there's a big I mean there, there's a lot of music. Like they, that they refers said, to Norfolk. As, they said, "Are you into beach music?" I said, "You mean like the Beach Boys?" They no, said, "No, no, no. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, Bill Dill and, and the Rondells and stuff." Yeah, there were there yeah, were a lot of 
There was a lot of music back then, but I, I, you know, it's funny. As somebody who's deep into the music history of New Orleans, I've never thought about what about the history of the music where I grew up. I'm yeah. just kind of like. And they do have a music tradition there. There was oh, an yeah. R&B tradition from from up there. You know, it's, absolutely. No, there's some really rich com- tradition up there. But I, people always say, "Why'd you move to New Orleans?" I'm like, "Well, because I grew up in Virginia." That's that's it. I had to get out of there. I had to get out yeah. of there because I was trying to justify who I was there. And here, it's like, you got to go really far before you have to justify who you yeah, are. Nobody cares. It's fine. It's like, yeah, man. You, can, you, you have a peer group if you're heading for something really great or if you just want to be in the gutter staring up. Sure. The, you'll find you won't be alone in either. In you either have space. you have yeah, people yeah, yeah, encouraging yeah, yeah, yeah. either choice. Either one, right? Now, so so you have uh, you have degrees from uh, from UNO, the University of New mm-hmm. Orleans. Did you come down here initially to go to school? No. Oh, okay. No, I mean, I the reason I went to school was because I I needed to like get out of uh, the crazy. I was like basically dating crazy women. Okay, I've going never heard co- of that. But right. going, going to college didn't stop that, but sure. it, it um, gave me a chance to kind of reset. Uh-huh. So I was like, let me, let me go to school and focus on, and I, I picked anthropology because it was early alphabetically in the, the <laughs> liberal arts the list. classes were in the afternoon, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, all right, anthropology. And uh, I was like, I don't know, really know what this is. But I stuck it out because I had some great teachers. Uh-huh. But then I was like, I want to keep going to school because I'm not really ready to enter into the so-called real world. But I, I can't keep writing papers that nobody but uh, fellow academics will like. So what can I do? I went into the uh, film program over there because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I can learn you know, skills that I can make money. And it's an MFA as a terminal degree, which sounds like something bad but it's a degree that allows you to teach at universities right there's no doctorate in in uh, in film well no i mean there's like a in film studies there's probably a phd pedagogy or something that's where you're just you know pontificating about stuff and you know you know hats off to the pontificators that went through the eye of the noodle and made money from it but i'm not interested in going down that rabbit hole and being like i have a phd but you know what would you like to drink? Sure, sure, sure. Right. <laughs> now, were you already doing uh, a bunch of film production and, and radio production at the time? No, I mean, it was, music was always my thing. Okay. I, I was, even when I was a little kid, I would, uh, I have like a, an A-track of me, and it's actually on one of my SoundCloud accounts where you can hear my squeaky little voice, and I'm like being a DJ talking about music <laughs> in between the records. Because nice. I record, I, it was an A-track player, with a microphone and a turntable, and I was playing. I was, I'd like to thank Grammy for taking me to the record store because that's what I would do when uh-huh. I was five or six. I grew up like in a household like a lot of people, where you know, dad was drunk a lot on the a lot weekends. Of time on your hands, you had to entertain and, yourself. And I would just go back into my room and I'd take records from his collection and records that I would buy from Peaches, mm-hmm. which we had Peaches back then, and tracks, sure, yeah, yeah. and I would listen. You know, I'd go through. I was through a Queen phase, through a Who phase, a Zeppelin phase, and as a little kid, that's how you went I would a Queen phase. Oh, the the, the band exactly. Okay. Well, right, my yeah. my dad was like, "Do you know what Queen means?" <laughs> he was totally serious about that. I was just kind of like, "Well, I don't know what you mean." But later on, I was like, "Oh, you're freaking out because I was into this." You know, <laughs> well, good. That was trying to freak you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> And that was like my thing. And then there was, you know, listening to The Quiet Storm on Sunday nights in my like teens when I started like 
having my heart broken mm-hmm. and I was like listening to Luther Vandross on oh, The Quiet okay. Storm or Patti LaBelle or like, you know, the, the slow jams of uh, even Michael Jackson. That was like how I interpreted or understood the world. I was going through... The, the the lens of music and yeah. the quiet storm i believe still exists yeah, actually yeah i think so yeah it, it's it came out of philadelphia and i there's a wikipedia description and i sometimes i describe myself on my program at oz that way i go you're soothingly pensive host because that's how they describe the quiet storm it's yeah. got a tone <laughs> of soothingly pensive and i was okay. like what does that mean yeah, yeah. it sounds <laughs> great though okay <laughs> yeah yeah no i i said that on the air a couple times and somebody called me up from a medical school because I could I could see caller ID at OZ and they're like would you quit it with the soothingly pensive and I went on the air the next time and I was like shout out to my boy at the medical school this is your soothingly pensive host <laughs> just because you know just like David Letterman when we would tell a bad joke and, and no one it liked it. Yeah, just it keep yeah. at this Double point, down. Like, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. your. Yeah, yeah, no, this yeah, is yeah, going yeah, to be what definitely. you get to hear the rest of the show right, for not right. laughing at it the first time. Yeah. So you made you made you were in the film critique and all that kind. Of, so the Oscars just happened like a week ago. Uh, yes. I'm not. A, I believe you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of award. I grew up in Los Angeles, you know, where you know this award show every, and but this movie. Well, first of all, the Oscars happened again, and I didn't win. I, I once again, well, it's it rigged. Just, like, just like the yeah. mayoral races. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did not you win. win. Okay. You're the Bernie Sanders yeah. of Hollywood. Yeah, and, and then, but the best film award was a film called Parasite. Right. Yeah. And I thought it was about you, Renee. Well, Manny, <laughs> I, <thought laughs> I don't think it would film, be about me. That's yeah. high praise, my friend. Yeah, I thought <laughs> it was about my co-host, Parasite. Yeah. You know, but it, <laughs> I guess it was wasn't. a beloved yeah. film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was such a good film, I saw it once. That's how good it was. Right. Oh, you did see it? Yeah, no, my, I didn't see it. Oh, okay. My girlfriend, swear, my girlfriend <laughs> swears by it. I, actually, I want to see it, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My family saw it. I haven't seen it yet. No. Everyone yeah. else seems to love it, though. But I did see some good Seems film. like a lot of reading, but anyway. Well, yeah, it's subtitles, right? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. exhausting. Anyway. Yeah, but, that's but people say oh, it's worse. Yeah, the problem with subtitles is, is like you're sitting there watching it and reading it, and everyone behind you, in front of you, is reading it. So you got people behind you reading it louder or maybe the same tone you're, and then you got people in front of you reading it. So everyone's reading together. Well, you know what would be nice if I could get somebody to go to the movie and just read it to me. If I could just sit next to them and, and watch the thing and they whisper could just it in read, your ear, whisper all the, <laughs> the, the subtitles in my ear. That would whispering be it. makes things creepy though. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, don't know. Get just it. just I'm, I'm thinking it. off yeah. the top of my head here. I'm yeah, still, the only person who could probably be your wife could like, do that. Your wife could do that for you. Yeah, you could do it for me, man. No, no, no I, I would never do that. I would never sit in a theater with you alone. I think we've done that before. Yeah. Really? You mean again? I don't know. I don't know. We made a movie together. Um, anyway, we, what were so yeah. are you were you going? With the, you were the possibly going and, somewhere and the, with the, this. No, 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 no. I, I, you, you, you talked about that. That's pretty much all I got. Except if you know what movie this line is from. Oh, uh, trivia question. Uh, yeah, I will. Uh, I, it, I will pay for your drinks for the next eight minutes. Okay. All right. And I'll. Tra- anyone yeah. out there in the troubled nation? Knows this. Uh, well, they can uh, Google it, so fuck yeah, them. Yeah, well, they have... Yeah, if, yeah. If, if, honor, right. you know, honor code, if, if, you, right. if you, you know you know it, this? Right okay. This yeah. line. Here we go. The fucking Catalina wine mixer. Nope. 
I have no idea what you're talking about. Either. But you here's here's a little that? secret about me. I'm I'm not a insanely big movie buff. I I like documentaries mm-hmm. and um, the occasional film that I watch at the right moment. But I went into film because I could meet chicks. Well, not well, snooty. You know, whatever. I I'm too old for chicks, but yeah. Um, no, I just could do sound on a, a gig and make money and, and i mean it's, and it's it's an interesting industry where you can make like six to eight hundred dollars a day once you like prove yourself and i mean i worked with spike lee when he was here nice. I, I worked on a number of other like natural catastrophes are always like a, a, oh, he a did great that chance Katrina thing? he did two yeah he did, he did um when the levees broke and if god is willing and the creek don't rise so That's three <laughs> no, the, the second one. The second one had two titles. Uh, I guess, right? it, was a, it was like oh, one okay. had a comment. It was yeah, a yeah, bigger yeah. title, yeah, but yeah. yeah. yeah well, no. you know, I saw. I think I saw one of them, and when I, I didn't, I didn't appreciate the one that he did, where he uh, he was doing these fucking crane shots yeah. and stuff like that. It was like, dude, this is a catastrophe. You're making a documentary, and you're doing this fucking multi-million dollar crane shots yeah. of a documentary. It's like. You yeah. don't do that, yeah, yeah. fucking idiot. No. You know? Well, I, you know, he was trying to, to put put a, a certain spin on it. Well, it's a scope, I guess, you know. Yeah. Man, I, since you brought this up, I, 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 uh, we had Ben uh, Sandmel on the, on the podcast last week, and... and um, uh, yeah, he was good. He I, was I, very I've, good. Very I've heard of that guy. Anyway, um, he, talk, he wrote the book about Cato. Someone, after that came out, sent me an article... Where someone came down post Katrina and and uh, followed Antoinette Cato around, and they were telling all these post Katrina stories, and the guy was describing what it was like in the the few months after people were back, and he's talking about uh, you know the lines of cars under the Claiborne overpass mm. that are all flooded and in stacks, and reading it, I was having a like a, a visceral, I was getting sick to my stomach and I realized, I had the, the spontaneous realization, oh, this is a city that's still suffering from PTSD. Like, oh, yeah. I totally have it. Everybody here that saw those horrific images, yeah. uh, it's it, just someone writing about it, not even seeing a photograph, just, just imagining the scenes that I saw in my head. Are are still so so just under the surface, man. It's crazy, sure. the, and to think that the whole city is to have a realization that the whole city is still operating like that. You know, whatever yeah. it was that was. Uh, Get over you know, it. It's well, over. Well, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, it is. But yet, it's still it's it's something that you sticks know, I, with I, you. I was on my top bunk bed during the '72 earthquake in Los Angeles, and I flew from my top top bunk bed. Like twenty feet through right. my bedroom, seven point nine earthquake. Big bedroom. Yeah, seven point nine earthquake. I got over it. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, fucking get over it, Louisiana. And anyway, New Orleans. anyway, and it's, uh, you know? it's, uh, I'm not making it up, man. Anyway, yeah, no. I know you're not making it up. No, but it's like it's 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 it's, 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 it's Ben Sandmal. Whatever, what sticks, the f- sticks with us. Any, anyway, I wanted to get back to uh, to so you you uh, George, if that is in fact your real name. Um, Hopefully. So, so at some point after you have this uh, this uh, BA and MFA, you wind up uh, teaching at NOCA. 
Yes. You're a teacher at NOCA, and you're teaching audio production. And Tell the people at home what NOCA so is. So New Renee. Orleans Center for Creative Arts. It's, okay. a, it's an arts high school here in New okay. Orleans. We have yeah. uh, prof- it's, uh, professionals. It, I mean, it goes back way to the days of when, when uh, Ellis Marcellus was the, the, the professor of jazz there, and, and Burt Burrow was the composition teacher. Who names teacher. their kid Ellis? I don't understand that. Uh, you know, they a, came from Canada. It was a long time yeah, ago. You know, yeah, Ellis, yeah. that's a good English name. Anyway, yeah. um, so... so uh, the point being, um, so that's the, you were teaching at the, the modern NOCA, which is, I guess, down in, in uh, the, the Bywater in the Ninth mm-hmm. Ward. Because uh, when, I, when I attended, it was uh, up on Web, Webster Street, yep. up, up at, yep. uh, yeah, yeah, right off of a uh, magazine, um, a few blocks from magazine. Anyway, uh, so it said that you, you taught interview techniques. And I was thinking, well, you know, did any of these interview techniques involve uh, 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 a wet rag or um, a blowtorch? Because uh, what the <laughs> fuck does that mean? I'm letting I'm, I'm going to let him go. Yeah, with yeah let him go with he's, that. What he's, the he's, fuck does that cause, mean? Because those are interview techniques that the that the U.S. government has used at times. You know, they can be yeah, quite effective. Well, they yeah, can be, uh, yeah. You know, he's not. He's a, he's a he's a guy. He's not the fucking government, I, man. You know, now I now I just now, now, I, just need to, now I need to like tweak my uh, yeah <laughs> like. Uh, yeah. Hold approach now, my, now the, my these techniques, pedagogy or whatever. There, you know, these techniques like, may may elicit uh, you know more um, quantity than quality of, of uh, sure. You know, because because people will say anything <laughs> when you yeah. Have a wet Look rag at the way he's mouth. pointing at you, like you like he's a fucking DA or something, right? That's well, fine. We, we do that the whole episode. Yeah, you do that yeah. to me. Anyway, it's fine. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I failed a lie detector test that I was actually telling the truth on <laughs> once. Long story, but true. I was like good, good, accused yeah. of calling in a false fire alarm and. and and, uh, it was a prank phone call, but it wasn't me, and I failed it. But it was thing. a buddy in you. You felt no, guilty. I didn't know the guy. You know the guy. I didn't know. It's I had nothing like me. So now, I'm, whenever I'm like take a lie detector test, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck that, man. I wasn't even. I didn't even think I was nervous. Yeah. And I failed telling the truth. So anyway. Well, you have enough self doubt or enough. Uh, you know, look, a lot. I always have self doubt. If you're too smart. Those things are can be hard to yeah. read because you can always think of a, you know, a true. Maybe I would. Can, maybe I would pass it now. Listen, if it's about being it's too smart. not a lie oh, if you believe it. That's, that's right. It's George Costanza. Oh, man. It's a lie it's, if you uh, George Costanza. So listen, right. you heard of this uh, coronavirus? Mm. Have you heard of this thing? Oh yeah. It's How actually. Miss it. Yeah. If I had time, I would actually on Mardi Gras day like have a costume based upon like the the. Uh, Molecular photograph yeah, of it. It's I'm pretty amazing. It's pretty yeah. amazing yeah, it's a, looking. It's amazing. Like thing. I mean, viruses kind of look like psychedelic chocolates in a, like a a box of chocolates. They mm-hmm. all have these interesting shapes and colors. But uh, yeah, yeah. Like, so, do you want like the do you want SARS? Strain? Yeah. Be my Valentine. Well, what I find <laughs> disturbing, <laughs> what I find disturbing, <laughs> is that this country that we live in who are like telling immigrants who are, who are healthy people who are trying to make a better way of life and they're stopping them and they're putting them in dungeons and prisons and all that. But yet, our country is letting all these fucking fat fuck Americans come back who've been on cruise ships in China. The floating uh, petri yeah, dishes yeah. with these uh, And, the and they're letting them back into our country. 
Yes. yes. They're letting yeah, them they're, back into our Thankfully, country. they're sequestering them on, on some military well, bases. Yeah, but, but that, I don't dig that because this is an X-Files episode. It is an yeah. episode. Yeah. You know, and so I don't trust this at all. Yeah. And, you know, and, I would let these people just, these Ameri- you want to go on a fucking cruise ship with 5,000 people who all have colds and runny noses? Yeah. Stay the fuck there. It's a cruise ship yeah. to nowhere. Yeah. And if you're yeah. in China, if you're visiting a fucking place called Quran, China, well, you're better off staying there. I don't want you back here. Mm-hmm. You know? Let it play itself out. That's yeah. what you're saying, man. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, well. fuck these fucking fat fuck Americans who want to come back here <laughs> okay, well. and, 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 disease, and, and fucking riddle us with the fucking disease. It's a pr- look, it's a problem. Look, and, and you have to believe with, with, you know, what you know about the uh, state control of the media in China, you have to believe if they're admitting... Uh, sixty or seventy thousand cases. There's probably. Are you, are you like, saying they have a Fox News over there? Well, yeah. I'm saying well, no. Here's is, the other thing. That there must be seven hundred thousand. Ca- I'm cases. working at this local university where mm-hmm. you you are Shall an adjunct. Yeah, nameless. Yeah, nameless. Yeah, 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 yeah. And all the fucking Asian kids who are walking around campus are wearing masks. Are they? Yes, yeah. they're all wearing masks because they've been told to. By their fucking fearless leader in China, probably. Huh. Wear okay. your fucking mask. It's a cultural thing. They're they're nervous about. Uh, yeah. You know. Well, you know. It, very interesting. Why all these viruses come from uh, Asia? Because they're fucking and eating dogs. Well, no, no, no. Well, that's not what it is. Here's, bats. here's what it is. No, and it's bats. not bats. It's not bat. No, it's not bush meat. And here's paint chips. It's they're not, doing it's lots of either. paint chips. No, no. What's wrong with paint chips, they, man? They, they they come from. They're very sweet. Those paint chips. That's why uh-huh. kids eat them. They have a sweet taste. To him, the lead. The lead has a sweet taste. Uh, that, that answers my question. Anyway, um, uh, no. The the reason all these uh, these uh, viruses come from the, the flu viruses and stuff come from Asia is that in 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 those rural region regions of like China and, and other Asian countries, people keep um, ducks and other sorts of fowl as pet or as as you know it's a livestock as well as pigs and. Pigs can get almost any disease of any other species, yeah. and pigs can 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 transmit that to humans because pigs are kind of close. So the to pork humans. restrictions make sense on some level. Yes, th- it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so so the pigs can catch the, uh, the 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 aviary diseases. They can catch the duck diseases or the pigeon diseases, yeah. and then they can allow them to mutate and and infect humans. So that's why Ooh. that's how we get that. So. Man. This is nothing to fuck around with, man. And, and it, I'm it, sorry, what did you say? I wasn't listening. I know, I know you weren't. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter, Manny. Um, you can listen on the repeat. Um, how did we get on this subject, yeah. George? Uh, again, so because you were talking about fucking pigs. Well, I always talk about that. <laughs> it's hard for me to not to talk about. I can't believe this. That isn't the whole subject of this podcast, frankly. But anyway, no, we were talking about the coronavirus, right? Coronavirus. And I don't think how yeah. our president is letting all these diseased people, fat fuck Americans who vote for him. Into well, he that. relates to well, them. He's, he's, yeah. he's, he's the, in, the White so House. The White House squatter is is a problem. So we well, what are we? White House we, squatter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I have a note here from uh, Jeff Treffinger. I don't know if you're familiar with Jeff I Treffinger. I love Jeff. Who doesn't love Jeff Treffinger? He's I a, don't love him. I like him. I don't okay. love him. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. a good guy. I love him in a, in a platonic super, sort of way. Super talented guy. Yes. Uh, yeah. The and geraniums. Sincere guy. Yes, you, you did one of... One Connie's 
love. I want Connie's love. <laughs> Connie's <laughs> girl. <laughs> anyway, so George, one of the, one of the first times I really became aware of you and was around. I was aware of you, but sure, the first time sure. I was around you and personally was you did a a, a piece on the geraniums and you recorded us live. Saturn and, Bar. And 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 you and you. Alex McMurray us. opened. O- open okay. that he was the opener for so that. So you're night. a geraniums fan, clearly. Oh God, yeah, oh yeah. So talk about the geraniums. <laughs> no, really, no, no. Th- I, this is one of the reasons I'm going to miss doing radio is because I feel like that kind of music won't get played on OZ once I leave. And won't get played anywhere. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's, it's you know it's it's great songwriting and it's um yeah there's just. The, the ratty notebook in front of Brennan and you know just like that's yeah he's Bukowski with the Velvet Underground but don't yeah. you think that's a little be, being lazy he has to have the notebook in front of him you he's gotta have la- what you gotta have man you know yeah, See, know. can he yeah. memorize the words no, to his songs not, that he writes not, not he the, writes the lyrics to all these songs yeah but that's a lot of it's a lot of songs that's a, a lot, lot of lyrics there's a lot of, a lot of lyrics, there's a lot of stanzas there yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm, yeah, no, but nobody's I'm, nobody's thinking that the geraniums are are, I'm are worth that. digging into. That's why into. I brought it up. Okay, and in right, fact, right. because you mentioned them, I'm going to inevitably play them tomorrow on my as yet to be planned show. Nice. Like I'll be on the air tomorrow at 11 a.m., which won't make any sense because you're listening after tomorrow. But right. a lot of times I come up with my shows based upon people I run into at the grocery store. I'm like, oh, yeah, Shotzi, or you know, yeah. No, Whoever. no, it's so cool. That's the it's cool like, thing about New Orleans. It's all right in the moment. So anyway, yeah. getting back to my the reason I bring up Jeff Treffinger is I was speaking to him today about, uh, you know, we lost Damon Shea, the drummer from, yes. from, the, from the Geraniums, and we were planning this memorial gig that's coming up on, on uh, March the uh, 14th, I think, um, and uh, talking about tunes and... Um, and, and so I got done with this conversation, and we hung up, and then I texted him. I said, oh, I'm uh, George uh, Ingmeyer is my guest tonight. Do you have any tips or questions that you would huh. like for me to ask him? I hope it's a tip. And he, goes, <laughs> and he goes, well, ask him about his uncle's documentary. And I said, well, what does oh. that mean? And he goes, well, ask him. So now I'm asking. Okay. <laughs> it's a documentary about my uncle, so I guess it could be my uncle's documentary. It's, That's um, what you meant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So who, my, who my, is uncle, your uncle? my uncle on my mother's side, Dwight, was born in 1960 with Down syndrome. And my grandfather, also named Dwight, made a bunch of home movies about him on 16 millimeter. And when my grandfather died in 95, I ended up with like a box of these films and VHS tapes. And my grandfather also made films like murder mystery like home movie murder mysteries <laughs> so i was going through one of the cassette or vhs tapes to try to find like the uh transfers of those but i found my grandfather's voice talking about my uncle and uh what are you looking for over there uh, no i'm just looking at time oh yeah no no oh cool technical okay. things man cut cut this out um anyway long story short is the the film my grandfather started about my uncle ended up going into the national film registry back in 2006 every year 25 films go into this registry which was created by of all people ronald reagan which actually makes sense because he was in hollywood but so there's the librarian of congress because there's an actual librarian 
he uh, chose this film with that year. It was like Groundhog Day, Blazing Saddles, Rocky, Halloween. Huh. They're like like twenty five films that are now a part of documentary. Now are now are part of American film history, right. including my grandfather's home movie that I completed. Um, I got flown to Greece to show this film. So wow. it's basically a series of home movies, and I just kind of put it together, and it it ended up through a number of channels going to the Librarian of Congress. I didn't. All I knew was I was making a really great stocking stuffer. It wasn't like for your I, family. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had no. I had no. I didn't even know what the National Film Registry was. Mm. And when the archivist who was like the advocate for it, who's also named Dwight. Which is weird, because how many Dwights? Uh, you know a lot of Dwights? I know. They're one. all black. No, I know a white one. <laughs> all all the these Dwights are white. Yeah, all right. I, I, know, I, know, I know These one. are white yeah. Dwights. I know about three Dwights, and they're all black. Yeah. So my, my grandfather, Dwight, my uncle, Dwight, and the Dwight Swanson, who's like a, a, like a film archivist. I do know someone named Delight. No. No? <laughs> well, I think there's another <laughs> she, she story here. Pole, right? Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, anyway so back to Dwight. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so this this film became. Um, I, I was in New York last month in January. It was a screening. It screened at MoMA as part of this series on like unknown films, and uh, it was nice. the last film. There's three days of films, and it was the last film on the last day because they wanted to end on this note of like beautiful filmmaking. So wow, man! I'm I'm going to uh, make a feature about my grandfather's other films. I've interviewed my mother and three aunts about this. You know, they're he was like a troubled soul, but he also did beautiful work. And he was like a family man of four daughters and a son. Back when you could like buy a house with a middle class job, right? And uh, that was in Virginia. Yeah, he played trumpet, violin, organ. He sang in church, and I just kind of like looked up to him. And I didn't even know what it was that yeah. I liked. I was just like, you know, and it wasn't like even like it wasn't like he took a shine to me. It's like, boy, I'll show you. And he, he was just kind of like, yeah, you're just one of my grandkids. Someone it, admirable though. He, he yeah, had he many was, interests. He was a renaissance he was man. Deeply or? into stuff. He grew up. Yeah. His last name is based upon like a the homestead. The coal. He's from West Virginia. He grew up like in a coal mining homestead that bared his last name. Mm -hmm. So he grew up dirt poor, like they would make like things out of tires like that were toys because they yeah. were just like, they had nothing. Yeah. And uh, my... Back in the holla. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was tough, tough yeah. stuff. But, um, and I just kind of, I was like, these films are going to end up in a thrift store or in the, uh, like the dump if right. I don't take them. And I wasn't even a filmmaker then, but I was just like, so I still have those films to this day, like in, in my storage room, because I'm like, they're important films. Like the murder mysteries were based upon Sam Spade and Edgar Allan Poe films. Okay. And he and his brother and, and friends would make these films that were shot beautifully in the sense that they were in focus and lit right, but they were just kind of like, like super eights or something or 16 millimeter, 16 millimeter. which oh, okay. is like, how do they get that 16 millimeter? Cause that was a lot more expensive, but they oh, were yeah. done beautifully. But the lights were like those silver, like weird bowls with the light bulb in the middle, right, like right. up in the corner <laughs> of the room. But he, he made do with what he had. Uh -huh. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that, that it's funny. Cause people are like filmmaker, George Ingmar. I'm always like, no, man. I, I ended up with these elements, and I made something. So I, 
I'm always happy to be called a producer because that means I made something. I produce something, but I'm not like, like I know what filmmakers have to do. You have to like, you have to well, give. As a producer, you get the points, right? If it <laughs> well, makes money, right? In the yeah, filmmaking yeah, world. Yeah, you get the points. Well, right? yeah. The director but, gets a you know, no, percentage. Actually, producers mean everything from the person who's just like making sure everyone gets their paycheck to the ones who find the money. But the word itself means you've produced something. And I'm, I'd rather be considered like a producer than a filmmaker or anything else because I can make things happen if you put the right things in front of me or blah, 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 you know. And what's the title of this film? Think of Me First as a Person. And you can actually go to thinkofmefirstasaperson.com and you can order the film. And if you're a college, you pay a little more money. If you're just a regular everyday person, you pay less money. Or you can download it from Vimeo as like a, a like eight ninety five or whatever. You can you can you can buy the download, which I just did recently. We'll it's put a, the link in the show notes. Yeah, for, for I got this, flown so to Thessaloniki. Nice to show this film. They were like, we can give we can give you, and I didn't even know about the film festival. And they were like, can we see your film? I, I sent them a copy, and then I'm like. We'll fly you here if you introduce it. And I was just like, okay, sure. Yeah, it could be, okay. could be worse. <laughs> okay. As long as, it, as long as I have a return ticket, because Thessaloniki, you I, don't want to get I, stuck there. I wish know. I actually would Good not have weekend, asked for a, but, uh, I would have been like, no return ticket. Oh, okay. Oh, just, really? Just like Champion Jack Dupree said, just make sure I get my pink Cadillac or whatever. You know, oh, it's okay. just like, right on. Right on. Yeah. Well, you know, Manny, I don't know if you can hear the uh, the the vacuums, the vacuum pump Actually, going on yeah. in the That's background. Called, yeah. The cats call that vacuum. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, maybe we should uh, sign off. What do you think? Yeah, man? let's sign off. I'm so, ready to sign off. So I got to work tomorrow. I got to get. You have up to early. work. We yeah. all have to work. I'm, I have a. Yeah, you don't have to work as like early as I do, though. No, no, I have to work later, though. I start later. Yeah. I work way later. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. all right, Manny, George. Thank yeah, you so much for being such a terrific guest, man. I appreciate and, uh, that. I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored, and, and uh, like, let's let's hear it for whatever is going to happen next. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you, the the world is your oyster, man. It's yeah, uh, man. you know you've done so many great things, and you have so many great skills. You're very uh, trained. You know, you're very experienced. You have a. I'm in the wrong city heart. then, because yeah, no, nobody well. gives a fuck about that stuff. No, no, that's not we. Uh, that's the worst city in the world. The best. It's the worst city in the world. The best city. It's the worst city. It's the word. It's a bad city for people who have chops who want to make a decent living. Yeah, like Manny. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I, I'm uh, I'm hanging on by. The skin of my teeth and, and I'm oh, having man. a ball doing it anyway uh, uh, George you know on the, in the Trouble Nation on the Trouble Men podcast we like to say that uh, trouble never ends and the struggle continues so good night no more a sentimental loser but a real dedicated boozer get me to Vancouver I can hide no more coffee talk and prattle I'm skedaddling Seattle We'll see whose brain is addled By the by I'm gonna drink Canada Dry I'm gonna drink Canada I will paint myself in 
into a clear blue sky And then I'll drink Canada Dry Crossing northern borders Had my marching orders I'm praying to a lord Bigger skies I am moving toward salvation Bigger mountains, better nation No more ratiocination Alibi I'm gonna drink Canada dry I'm gonna drink Canada dry When those planes come out Of a clear blue sky I will drink Canada I can hide